0: Hello everybody, I'm Alicia Drummond, and I'd like to welcome you to this slightly different Teen Tips podcast. It's different because I usually invite a guest who's a specialist in their field to come and talk to you, but today it's just me. Um, It's just me because as many of you will know, the work we do here at Teen Tips is all about helping adults create environments that meet the social and emotional needs of young people. It's about helping teenagers gain greater self-awareness and giving them the self-management tools to protect their mental health and also to know what to do if they're not feeling okay. So it seemed to make sense to go solo to create this one. Uh, I hope you find it useful if you 've got any comments, please feel free to get in touch via the website that's www uh, likewise actually if you 've got a topic you 'd like us to cover in a podcast, um, we always love a suggestion so Today is World Mental Health Day, and the focus for this year is suicide prevention. The campaign has been called hashtag 40 seconds because globally someone loses their life to suicide every 40 seconds. Data released by Young Minds showed that in the UK in 2017 suicide was the most common cause of death for boys and girls aged between 5 and 19. You know to lose a young person to suicide is it's just beyond devastating and um my heartfelt love goes out to any of you who've ever been in that situation. I think we desperately need to work harder to prevent anyone else reaching the point where they feel so hopeless and helpless that death feels like the only option. I think we all need to be able to spot the signs that someone's in mental distress and then we need to know what we can do to help because uh, as the statistics tell us, One in eight, five to 19 year olds has a diagnosable mental health condition and even more, one in six have symptoms of a common mental illness such as depression or anxiety. So many of the parents we talk to are struggling to know how best to support their children. And I think we can all agree that as a society, we need to take action. And the more we can do upstream to stop problems occurring downstream, the better. We need to focus on prevention because, frankly, we simply do not have the resources to provide the care needed once a mental illness is diagnosed. But more importantly, we don't want our young people needlessly suffering. So what can we do? Well, first of all, I think we need to help young people understand that our mental health is not a static thing Just like our physical health, it changes from day to day. I really don't agree with giving people labels such as anxious or depressed, because when we do, we run the risk of making the person into the illness. Rather than saying she's depressed, we might say instead something like she's suffering with depression at the moment, which implies that that it's a temporary state and it can be overcome. Perhaps in some ways it's more helpful to think of a mental illness as an injury. Most people will recover from the injury and may never ever suffer again. Others will sustain an injury that leads to longer term problems with symptoms that are harder to manage. But I think it's so important that we never take away people's hope of a full recovery. If young people can truly understand that mental health changes over time I think it gives them hope when they're feeling low and helps them appreciate the need for self-care when they're feeling okay. If suicide is a way to stop feeling utterly hopeless and helpless then giving reassurance and hope is an essential part of prevention. So why is it that some people can cope with life's vicissitudes and others just can't? I'm afraid really there's no simple answer because our mental health is influenced by so many different factors. You've got to consider our personality, our genes, our environment, our relationships, our attitude, our actions, our experience. All of these things influence our ability to maintain our well-being. Being When we think about people's mental health, we need to consider all these factors because they are all intertwined and impact one another. I think this is an important message and especially for parents or carers who may be blaming themselves when a child becomes mentally unwell mental illness is way too complicated to be attributable to any one factor if it weren't then everyone who experiences a traumatic event would get post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD but they simply don't because there are always other factors at play such as resilience personality and environment so environment that might be something like your support network have you got a good support network lots of people to talk to I think it's also helpful to remember that we're actually designed to cope with quite a lot of stress. Um, And I think this is a good message to get across to young people, that really stress per se is not always bad. Short term situational stress, like the stress you might experience going into an exam, going onto a stage, going onto a pitch, makes us perform better in the short term. What we don't want is that long term, low level stress in the system because we need to avoid living in that low to medium stress constant zone where the stress chemicals, cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, etc. are cruising around our bodies. They compromise our immune systems and cause all number of physical ailments, which in turn affect our sense of well-being. We all have a mental burnout point and that this will differ from person to person We don't want our teenagers to reach that point. Adolescence in itself is stressful. They are transitioning from being dependent children to becoming independent adults, which is really tough. They've got to change, you know, their bodies are changing. They have to change their bonds that they have with us as parents whilst trying to find that adult identity. Their brains are wired to need social acceptance and connection, but to be super sensitive to judgment, criticism, or rejection. Many are under way too much pressure to perform. Some are so busy trying desperately to be perfect that they burn out hard and fast. And then there are the decisions that all teenagers must take, some of which, such as drug taking or their use of screens, may have a fairly disastrous impact on their mental and physical health. There is a lot going on and many of the symptoms that might help in diagnosing a mental health problem in adults, such as fast changing emotions and losing interest in childhood pleasures, is normal teenage behaviour. So I thought it would be helpful to give you some of the signs to watch out for if you are worried about your child or one that you look after or care for. So here we go. A few questions. Has your child stopped wanting to spend time with their friends and stopped doing things they've always enjoyed? Most teenagers want to spend more time away from parents and to have more privacy. But if they stop wanting to see old friends and do activities they've always enjoyed, this can be the sign of an emerging mental health condition. Number two, have their energy levels changed significantly you know, Coping with a mental illness whilst trying to carry on with life is exhausting. I think it's helpful to remember that our bodies and brains repair themselves when we sleep. So just as we, don't, we want to curl up in bed when we get the flu, so we will usually want to do the same when we have a mental illness. Sleep is also disturbed when we are mentally unwell. There isn't a single mental disorder that doesn't list sleep disruption as one of its symptoms. Number three, are they school refusing or has there been a sudden change in their academic performance? This could be a sign that they're being bullied or it could be that the noise and busyness of school has just become completely overwhelming. Have you noticed that they've developed rigid routines and become anxious and upset if they're not able to do them? Creating Routines can be a way of trying to impose a sense of structure and order when life feels overwhelming. The routines reduce feelings of anxiety but when they can't carry them out that anxiety is likely to flare up, sometimes to the point of panic. Do they often have physical pains that can't be medically explained such as stomach aches or headaches? When we're stressed, we have higher levels of the stress hormone cortisol, as I've already mentioned, flooding around our system, uh, which means that our muscles are much tenser, and it can lead to a number of physical illnesses. Do they seem to be having trouble concentrating and remembering things? This can be a sign that me- that they are struggling to manage their thoughts and feelings, and are therefore too distracted to take in and remember extra information. Have you noticed changes in their eating habits? Disinterest in food can be a symptom of some mental health conditions, such as depression, or they might be restricting food as a way of gaining a sense of control. And binge eating can be a very uh, useful way well, not useful, an unhealthy way, but it is a way of dulling painful feelings. Have they stopped looking after their personal appearance and hygiene? This may be a symptom that they're not feeling emotionally well enough to, take, to care about their appearance or that they no longer think they're worth caring for. If someone's becoming mentally unwell, you would expect to see changes in many areas. You will definitely see changes in their thinking. They might be having paranoid um, or anxious thoughts, their feeling and their behaviour. And it's important to remember that no one sign means there is a problem. I also think it's important that we don't medicalize a normal reaction to a life event. You know, If someone dies, it's normal to feel a range of, of emotions from disbelief, sadness, anger, and sometimes a host of other ones, such as relief or guilt. It takes time to come to terms with the loss, but this is not a mental illness. If the grief does not abate over time then it may be that some professional help is necessary but in the first instance they really need your empathy, your reassurance, your practical support and your love. They need you to be vigilant and to act if their symptoms get worse. You know whatever your thoughts about mental illness may be this is really not the time to let your personal prejudice and fears get in the way of their recovery. If you're concerned that someone you love is suffering a mental illness, but you're not sure, consider how different they are to their normal. How many symptoms have you noticed? How often are these symptoms evident? How long have the symptoms been present? And how severe do those symptoms seem to be? If you've observed a number of symptoms for three weeks or longer, then intervention is advised unless they express suicidal thoughts, in which case immediate help is needed. If expert help is needed, the best place to start really is with your GP. So, on the Teen Tips website, we've put a whole load of links to organisations who offer psychological help. It's on the resources page. Whether they need immediate help or not, you need to start a conversation and give them an opportunity to talk. Uh, They're going to need you to be calm, they need you to let them know that they're loved, they need you to listen without judgment. They need you to reassure them that they will be okay and that they will feel better. They need you to help them explore options for getting help. And actually they also need you to look after yourself because when someone's in mental crisis they need as much care and attention as someone who's undergone major surgery and that can be really hard work. As they start to recover we can gently encourage them to do the things that will help them recover more quickly. Just as we must do our physio after physical injury, so we must learn to use healthy coping strategies to build our resilience after a mental injury. Help them discover what makes them feel better. You know, that could be talking. They might need to learn to ask for help. They might need to learn to face problems and, and avoid procrastination. They definitely need to learn to be kinder to, them, to themselves and to give up on perfectionism. They can really help themselves using relaxation techniques, taking regular exercise, getting outdoors every day, eating well, doing hobbies that spark joy and socialising and perhaps most importantly of all, they really, really need to prioritise sleep. We all need to prioritise sleep. These things not only aid recovery after injury, they are also preventative and the more of them we add into our daily lives, the more emotionally resilient we become. I think it's vital that we teach young people to explore and use their coping strategies, not only to build their resilience, but also because when the stress builds, if they're not using the healthy coping strategies, they are likely to use the unhealthy ones. And those would be things like the substance abuse, self-harm, emotional eating, compulsive spending, sleeping excessively, procrastinating, zoning out for hours on screens, withdrawing from friends and family. All of those things may offer temporary relief, but they all exacerbate problems over the long term. So we're coming to the end of this podcast. In summary, I think we need to be vigilant. Please, please don't ignore the signs because the sooner a problem is addressed, the less likely it is to remain or recur. Assess risks by considering the number of symptoms you've noticed, how long they've been present, and how severe those symptoms are. Try to listen without judging and give reassurance. Explore options for help and encourage self-help. At this, at this point, I should say that it is always worth asking someone if they have had suicidal thoughts, because doing so, A, may give them the opportunity and permission to talk and to feel understood, and B, if they have had thoughts about suicide you will know what it, that it's necessary to get professional advice and help talking about suicide does not put the idea in their head and make it more likely to happen in fact quite the opposite being able to talk can prevent suicide so don't be afraid to be open and honest I hope you found this helpful because being uh, mental illness can be terrifying not only for the sufferer, but actually also for all those who love and care for them. It can also be deeply, deeply exhausting. So please accept help from anyone who offers to support you because you too are worth it. Use the resources that are available. We've put, as I said, the links to organisation on the website. There's our parenting course, which will give you all the information you need to create an emotionally healthy environment for your children. And if you found this talk useful, please talk about it on social media and spread the word as far and wide as you can, because I think if we all work together, we can turn the tide on mental illness. Thank you so much for listening. And... I shall see you again or find you again, I guess is the right expression uh, on the next podcast. Until then, take care, be safe. Goodbye.